You know, today we, we have seen that in verse 16, that prayer once again was the catalyst to all these events taking place. That God was going to do a work in someone's life because the church was going to pray. And I think today that's so important for us to realize that God works when his church prays. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Before we get into the epistle of Philippians, I just, as an overview, wanted to go to Acts chapter 16, and we last week also looked a bit at Acts chapter 20, where Paul and Silas had visited the city of Philippi on his second and third missionary journey. And so I thought it'd be good to get for the introduction of the epistle to the church in Philippi that we would see how their church began, how it all got started. And and so here we have a city, the faithful in that city only being women. They're there worshiping by the river. And Paul and Silas came and Uh, preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, God opened the heart of Lydia to receive that message. And she and her household was then baptized and she constrained them and and just persuaded them as a believer. She said, if you've found me faithful to the Lord, come and let me stay in our home and we'll provide for you while you're here in our city and proclaiming the gospel. And that's where we left the story last week. And we pick it up in, in verse 16. Now it happened As we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed by a spirit of divination met us and who brought her master much profit by fortune telling. Verse 18 where it says that she did this for many days but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. I was thinking about wondering why he waited so long. And as I was thinking about this, I was wondering if I was in the same situation, I've never cast a demon out. So for me, I would be in prayer prior to trying to confront a demon. I could just get the image of the disciples attempting to cast out the demonic possessed boy when Jesus was up on the mountain of transfiguration and they failed to do so. And the dad coming to Jesus when he came down off the mount saying, I came to your disciples and they were not able to do so. And Jesus cast out the demon. And later, the disciples came to him and asked, why? And he responded, saying to them, this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. That's found in Mark 9, 29. I also believe perhaps Paul was praying for the right timing. It was the right thing to do to cast this demon out, but also to have it 
in the right timing, that they would do it at the right time, at the time of the hour that God had appointed for them. So we don't know for sure why Paul waited, but we do know that the woman was freed from this bondage of Satan, this demon that possessed her. Scripture is silent from that point forward about the girl herself. We can assume that she joined the church there in Philippi, but we have no other knowledge of her at this point because the story changes quickly at that point because once he cast out the demon out of her, verse 19, when her masters saw that the hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs that are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. And so they condemned them basically on three things. One, that they're Jewish. Number two, that they are troubling our city. And number three, they're teaching customs that are not lawful for us being Romans. And so we have this anti-Semitic cause being played out. And to this day, we see anti-Semitism. It is the hatred of Jews because of their nationality that is still played out in similar ways today. They were displayed as dangerous men who were upsetting the ways of the providence. Now, I was thinking about our culture today, and it seems like a culture here in the United States that has so much of Christ in its history, but it seems today that the church is being condemned and set up as if they are also seeing us as dangerous people who are upsetting the ways of our life here in the United States. And we have seen uh, churches and pastors and Christian-owned businesses be brought to court today. And if it's not an actual judicial court, it's the court of public opinion that we see through our news media. You know, there's a lot of businesses out there that think that you can't be a believer and function in this world, and yet you have businesses that just go against what the world is teaching, and they're very successful, that God is blessing these men and the women who are part of these companies, blessing them for their position, their stance. Sadly, we have such a twisted world that we live in, and we have believers fighting against believers, and it's indeed a sad time that we live in, but we should be taking stands against such things and standing for those who support the truth of the gospel. And so we have in a, a world that, you know, if it's not in court, like they're brought before the magistrates here, it's in the court of public opinion, and we have the media twisting things, saying that, you know, Chick-fil-A has caved, and we've seen reports of pastors being sued, churches going to court, and sometimes churches going to court over churches, and it, it just goes against what the Word has taught us as believers. It is really a sad condition of the world that we live in today. In Philippi's situation here, we're back with Peter and Saul. They're in the marketplace, and the multitude rose up against them. It tells us in verse 22, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely, and having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. And so in the court of public opinion, they didn't have a legal trial, but they were beaten. Their clothes were torn off, and they were beaten with these rods, and they were in prison. Paul would write about 
Uh, this, uh, along with many other occasions in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 24. But in that portion of Scripture where he talks about being a day and a night in the deep, he was shipwrecked at times, but he uh, talks about being beaten with rods. This was one of those occasions that he had been beaten with rods. He faced much opposition in ministry in his life, but it didn't stop him from proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have them, Paul and Silas, in prison. They're in the inner chamber. We can just assume that this was the uh, strictest security that this Philippian jailer had to offer. He locked them in stocks. And in verse 25, we discover that instead of singing the blues like most of us would be doing at this point, it tells us at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, we get in a situation, we would be singing, Why Me, Lord? What have I ever done? Having a song like that going through our life. But they were singing praises to God. They were singing hymns. And they were also praying to God at this time. They were singing and praying. They were singing and praying. There's a verse of Scripture that tells us about singing and praying in James 5, 13. It says, If any among you suffer, let him pray. They'd just been beaten with rods, so I imagine they were doing a little suffering, and so they prayed. But also it goes on to say, if anyone's cheerful, let them sing. And we think, well, they were just beaten with rods. How could they be cheerful? And I believe they were cheerful. They were able to pray. They were able to sing these hymns to God because they were following in the steps of Jesus, as Peter would write in 1 Peter 2, 19 through 21, for it is commendable... If of conscience toward God, one endures grief and suffer wrongfully, then he goes on to say, what credit is it if you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, and if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps." Now, I'm not suggesting that we go out and attempt to get ourselves thrown into prison. We don't go out and actually chase after uh, things that would bring harm to us in the attempt of bringing forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. But while we're doing good, while we're serving the Lord, if we're going about what we believe is our God-given call and just going about what God has called us to do, then we suffer because of it then Scripture tells us this is commendable before God. And I believe that's why they were able to pray and to sing that day in that prison. But we also notice that although they were captive in the prison, their songs, I believe, held the other prisoners captive. They captivated an audience there because it goes on to tell us in verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. So we, we know that this is an earthquake that was brought about by the work of God because, one, the doors were all shaken open, but also the chains fell off the prisoners. So they were all freed. A normal earthquake, although the building might shake, the doors might open, it doesn't mean that your chains are going to fall off too. But there was a combination of all these things taking place. And so we know God's hand was at work in this. And when the keeper of prison, verse 27, awoke from his sleep, seeing that the prison doors were open, supposing that the prisoners had fled. So the prisoners had been captivated by the praying and singing of Paul and Silas. And they didn't do what we would expect 
prisoners to do. Hey, if you leave the door open, I'm probably going to leave. But they didn't do that. But he, supposing that they did, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. And Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And then he called for a light and he ran and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. I believe he was trembling not because of who Paul and Silas was, but because he realized the power of God that held the prisoners there, even though the prison doors had been open. But he had also, we know that in some way he had heard the message because his request to them was, sir, what must I do to be saved? That he knew that Paul and Silas had a message that he needed to hear as a probably a retired Roman soldier now keeping the prison, but it was the custom of Rome at that time. If you had a prisoner who escaped, then those who were guarding that prisoner received their punishment. And so if they were on death row and they escaped, then you would be killed in their place. That's why he was so ready to kill himself when he saw that his prisoners had escaped. But I believe he trembled because he realized the power of God that was at play here. And maybe also because he nearly took his life. And now he realizes that I have a chance now for what must I do to be saved, that there is a further life that I now am seeking. And so he trembled because his life had been spared. And he had heard the message He heard the message. Perhaps he heard the slave girl saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Perhaps he had heard Paul and Silas proclaim the message of the gospel either before or after they were put in prison. We can't be sure of when he heard the gospel proclaimed, but he knew enough to ask this very important question, what must I do to be saved? And, And I wonder if you have asked that question yourself here today. Have you sought out the salvation that can only come through Jesus Christ? I believe many of you have, but I never want to just assume that everyone has. And so it's important to ask, have you sought out? Have you asked that question? What must I do to be saved? The answer was twofold. First, they said, verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and you and your household. And then secondly, They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who was in his household. So it was twofold. It was belief, but combined with the word of God. It reminds us of Romans 10, 17 that says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but there is an understanding of what Christ has done through the proclamation of the gospel, through the word of God. They spoke the word of the Lord to them. And it wasn't that the jailer was saved and his house automatically uh, was also saved. But they, we clearly see in verse 32 that they spoke the word of the Lord, not only to the jailer, but to all was in his household. So everyone heard the gospel message and everyone in that household responded by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Their faith was combined with the word of God. And although there can be signs and wonders that we can see, There is the foundation of the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Scripture tells us in John 20, 31, that these are written, the signs and wonders that uh, had happened in the Gospels. John said, these were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, 
the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Faith comes by hearing. Life comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And again, have you believed in Jesus? Have you found this life in his name? At that same hour, we find now the Philippian jailer, he's, he's a believer. He's brought out and baptized according to verse 33. But before that happened, it tells us that he took Paul and Silas out that same hour and washed their stripes. And then immediately he and all his family was baptized. And now when they had brought them into his house, he set food before them. He rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. His whole house, I mean, that would be just tremendous to see a whole family at one time come to faith in Jesus Christ. I would think that would be great reason for rejoicing. But the service, again, just like with Lydia, when she was saved, she said to them in verse 15, If you have judged me faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my house. Now the Philippian jailer, he's a believer. He's been baptized. He's washing their wounds. He's bringing them from the prison to his house. He's feeding them. He's rejoicing. And there is this service that we see that is happening immediately with these new believers. And it reminds us of Galatians 5.13 where it tells us that through love we are to serve one another. And then as we close out in these last few verses, and when it was day, verse 35, the magistrates sent the officer saying, let those men go. And so the keeper of prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates, I I can imagine he's really excited at this point. The magistrates, they've sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart, go in peace. And Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. Now, I don't know why Paul waited until this hour to pull out his Roman citizenship card. It seems like if it would have worked, if it's a U.S., maybe it wouldn't work in parts of our country. But if we're going to use it, use it as quickly as possible. But he waited. And I don't understand exactly why he waited. We do know the outcome of this was that the magistrates, the officials were frightened because of what happened because as a Roman citizen, Paul and Silas had certain rights like the right to a public trial and that no Roman was ever to be scourged. And both of these were broken in this situation. So this gave Paul and Silas the upper hand. We also discover that since this is part of the second missionary journey, we have a good reason why God Uh, separated the team of Paul and Barnabas, divided them because Barnabas was Jewish. He would have had this right, but Silas, as a Roman, had the same right that Paul had. And so God was able to use the position that God had these men birthed in, or you could buy a Roman citizen, but Paul would say mine was by birth, that he, he used their position to the furtherance of the gospel. It wouldn't have played out the same way if Barnabas had been there. It, it would have played out a little differently. We don't know how. We could only guess. And so, as a result of this, the verse 38, the officers told these words to the magistrates. They were afraid when they heard that they were Romans, and they came and pleaded with them, brought them out, and asked them to depart from the city. And so they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. And so they didn't fight against it. They complied with the request to leave, but not before they went back 
to Lydia's house where the church was now meeting. And they encouraged the believers before they left. You know, today we, we have seen that in verse 16, that prayer once again was the catalyst to all these events taking place. That God was going to do a work in someone's life because the church was going to pray. And I think today that's so important for us to realize that God works when his church prays. God can work apart from the church praying. God chooses to use us. He desires for us to cry out to him. And it is such an exciting thing to see God answering prayers in our lives, things that we have been praying for, and to see God fulfilling those requests. And so the catalyst that God often uses in our lives is that of prayer. And sadly, it seems like prayer is one of the most neglected things within the church today. But just like in Paul's day, I believe that there's demonic possession that is still possible to this day. But I also believe as believers, we're to stay away from the things of the occult. And in doing so, if we stay away, we've passed the test. But if we don't stay away, then God is still testing the believer today to see whether he loves the Lord God with all of his heart and with all of his soul. We're also to cast off the work of darkness and and to put on the armor of light. And so that keeps us from, you know, with Halloween coming up, it's a good month to make sure that our faith stands in stark contrast to what the world around us. That, parents, it's a great month to teach your children why we do not go after the things of the world and, and why we don't participate. Lily and I didn't do great in this. And even the church culture that I w- was raised in, we would have spook houses in our churches and transform them for a, a night into what was not a very good thing. We so scared some kids in one of the classrooms once that they were afraid to go back into that classroom. That's not good. But that was the culture that seemed to be in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. You know, it, it just seemed to be the culture that was there. I feel bad for how I participated in those days. The slave girl's exorcism was a good thing. Paul and Silas suffered greatly as a result of it. But good things came as a result of their suffering. The prisoners didn't escape. The jailer and his household were saved as a result of that. When they were in prison, they didn't sing the blues. They sang and prayed to God. They sang hymns to God and prayed. And God brought victory through their prayers. The Philippian jailer's faith combined with the word of God. We must never forget that. It's important that we have faith combined with the word of God. It's through the word of God that we know the truths of God. And we can't set aside the word of God when we're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We also had seen in this whole study that Lydia and the Philippian jailer, that they immediately began to serve. Through love, we serve one another. And that's what God has compelled us to do. And then finally, that Paul and Silas took advantage of the Roman citizenship. I think even today, we can at times take advantage of our citizenship in the United States, that we still have certain freedoms and rights that we should take advantage of them when it is right to do so, especially when our freedoms as believers are being attacked. And we see that we live in an age where those freedoms are being attacked daily. And so we need to be prayed up. We need to be in the word. We need to be putting off the darkness and putting on the armor of life. If we are going to stand as the Lord would have us to in this world that we live in today. Um, I'm going to have, Dave, that last song I believe that you played. I'd love for us to sing that. 
as we close out today. And let's stand and, and close in prayer. As always, we have uh, Marvin and Jeannie will be down front if you need prayer. If you've never given your heart to the Lord for salvation, do that today. But if the Lord has laid any other need on your heart you would like prayer for, there's that opportunity. I would just encourage you to take time to pray before you leave the sanctuary. Also, we have fellowship time afterwards downstairs. And so you can hang out a little while with the brothers and sisters and our families together. And Father, we thank you so much for this day you've given us. We thank you for your word and just what we learn in these stories from the book of Acts. And then as we get into the epistle of Philippians, Lord, I pray that you would continue to teach us how we should live as believers in the world and the culture that we live in. Today we saw that Paul and Silas did some very great things. A a girl was freed from demonic possession. A, A man and his household were saved, but they also suffered as a result of it. And Lord, I pray that you would be with us in the day we live in, that we would do the right thing even though suffering could come. May we also sing praises if it does come, that we have been found worthy to suffer for your namesake. Bless us, Lord, as we close out in this song. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.